All the Rage with John Bout on www.tracksfm.org. Uh, welcome, welcome to a fashionably late uh, John Bout's All the Rage, but I, I do promise you it, it was a bit important business that trade union reps are doing at the moment. Uh, we're pretty much working around the clock uh, based on the society that's um, that's broken, in essence. Society has officially, folks, broken. I want to say society. The majority of these, this country, apparently someone needs to tell someone, the majority of this country are the working class. And uh, someone forgot to tell someone. <laughs> um, so, um, and uh, I, th- I think I had a member ring me today and said, you know, why, why is the employer behaving like that? I said, well, if you behave at the very top level badly, if you lie, cheat, uh, racist, extremely right-wing, um, happy to get the sack and turn up somewhere else, at the very top level, it filters down to the big employers, and then everyone starts behaving badly. And, uh, right, well, I had to tell him the truth. Society has broken. It's on its knees. Um, we're going to continue on the same vein along uh, a subject of uh, renters and housing in the UK. John, welcome. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, backing up what you said there, I I will actually come to that in a moment or two. We're going to start this evening with some relatively good news. Um, It's funny, you know, because as a a person of... uh, uh, should we say less than beautiful views of, of the majority of the world, the majority of the time I sit down to write these shows and I can't quite bring it to myself to kind of expose the true kind of horror of my, um, my you know, depression and anxiety riddled brain onto a show, mainly because it's not very good listening, but also because there is actually always some positive stories and they need, they need to be highlighted. They need to be amplified. Otherwise people don't, don't get them. You know, it's, it's not all despair. Um, basically it's the mainstream is an absolute shithole of self-hatred and despair. But then again, it's been that forever. Uh, this is why some of us never ever slotted into the mainstream and have never ever wanted to. Anyway, let's start as we mean to go on. Amazon, Amazon UK strikes. As you no doubt know, last month saw the historic first strike action taken by Amazon workers in the UK. The workers at the BHX4 warehouse in Coventry walked out on the 25th of January demanding to be paid £15 an hour. Unsurprisingly, Amazon stands accused of a huge level of intimidation towards striking workers. Private security guards hired by Amazon were present in large numbers on picket lines at both the walk-in and drive-in entrances to the warehouse stroke sweatshop, providing a huge level of intimidation uh, to both those on the pickets and those walking out in the middle of their shifts. They also had a number of police patrols and vans for some reason. So you can get the police out for some things, it seems. A message to Amazon and any other company looking to intimidate and attack their own workers from those of us here at All The Rage. You cannot succeed in this. We are the power. We are the working class. And you are nothing without us. In fact, frankly, you're nothing at all. Uh, Use your pigs and your plastic pigs and failed authority figures who become security all you like. Uh, We will always defeat you. Anyway, Navarra Media spoke to workers at the Coventry Amazon sweatshop. One worker who chose to remain anonymous for fear of retribution said, quote, Amazon customers should know the real story behind what's happening in warehouses around the world. 
Amazon is trying to promote a fake image of associates being well treated or treated well. Associates is, of course, what they call their employees, in case you didn't know that. Uh, It's not true. We're treated as numbers under permanent stress. We can't afford to get sick. End of quote. Uh, Well worth bearing that in mind next time you see something that's irresistibly cheap on the Amazon website. Uh, Maybe write to them and say, I'd love to spend more money with you. However, you need to start treating your workers properly and paying your taxes and stop being a a ridiculous global conglomerate. In fact, you need to be nationalized. Anyway, another worker who also spoke with Navarra said that the workers in the Coventry factory want to fight. They are scared, but the union is supporting them and they are growing in their membership. Another worker was also happy to accept their position in making history, pointing out that the text from management saying staff arriving late for their night shift would not be penalised was, in this person's words, the politest message we have ever had from Amazon management. In July, the GMB trade union had around 30 members at the site, a number that has grown by to 300 by January out of a staff of 1,400. They actually recruited 50 more on the day of the strike, mainly by stopping them to discuss this as they arrived for their shifts. Uh, I must say I'm, I'm uh, greatly in awe of anyone who can organise in those bigger offices. I, I struggle in one with about 40 staff in it, but there you are. As any listener is no doubt aware, Amazon's working conditions at its fulfillment centres, sweatshops, are notorious. There have been reports of timed toilet breaks and surveillance software that ruthlessly sets impossible performance rates. Hmm. I hope no other delivery companies get any silly ideas around that sort of uh, technology. After the GMB revealed that ambulances have been called out to Amazon's warehouses 1,000 times in five years, the online retailer cracked down, instructing workers to instead call a taxi or to drive the injured person to hospital. Now, this would be a good example of somewhere in which a company is not only failing in their duty of care, in fact, I would even argue criminal negligence, but also putting a burden on our public services with the amount of ambulances coming to their sites. And they don't even pay a decent amount of tax in this country. They're always trying to avoid it. You know, you think about think about that if you're in, in an area like Coventry or somewhere else that's got an Amazon site and you're having trouble getting an ambulance. Sometimes it could be because of someone needing to go to one of their sites. And that is based on their, as I said, what I consider criminal negligence towards their lack of duty of care to their own staff that they're getting into situations where they get that sick that they need an ambulance in the first place when they're at work. Trade unions, folks, they're big on health and safety and health and safety is a good thing. The GMB have spent close to a decade trying to organise Amazon workers and the company still refuses to recognise any union. In August, there was an unofficial walkout at the site as part of a nationwide wave of wildcat strikes over a proposed below inflation pay rise. And this was the same year that many walkouts around the world occurred, including in the US, Turkey and Germany. There's also been the founding of the Amazon Labour Union in Staten Island, New York, that has stood as a great inspiration to many of us. Best thing out of Staten Island since the Wu-Tang Clan. Amazon has so far refused to engage directly with the GMB here in the UK. Since the launch of the first ballot in September, Amazon has implemented a number of anti-union measures, just as they have in the US. Although most of them aren't working, which is always wonderful to see. It closed a formerly public pathway that led to the warehouse to restrict access to the site. A public pathway. How do you how do you get around being able to close a public pathway? What the hell is going on with your local council that let Amazon do shit like that? Uh, the company also resprayed white lines on the ground to mark out company property and prevent trespass by union organisers. In early October of last year, Amazon announced a five hundred pound cost of living payment to workers 
payment of which was dependent on attendance on possible strike dates. <laughs> Go in, sign in, and then walk out. Now, get get advice from your union on that one. Uh, it might be a bit more specific than that, but yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how I do it anyway. Uh, a bus service that drops workers off at the warehouse and bypasses union organisers has now suddenly been reinstated. They did all of this type of stuff in uh, Bessemer, Alabama, to defeat their union vote. Uh, however, ultimately, they still didn't defeat it because they're still advocating for getting that vote, and they're going to. It'd be so much easier if you just agreed with, with your workforce, if you just actually engage with a union for one thing you'd waste substantially less money uh, as many companies are learning i'm assuming royal mail are listening to us tonight so yeah in september of last year amazon thought uh the opening of the gmb's ballot for strike action was in fact the beginning of an actual strike and they responded by relocating goods to an amazon site in doncaster the uk's only other so-called cross dock site where items are scanned before they're sent out to the sweatshops. The company seems to operate under the illusion that the union is an outside force, but a union is only ever its members, and they are the workers inside the workplace. In a very inspiring sign, a Midlands Amazon workers branch has been established, and the GMB have seen increased membership across other sites. So to close this story, I want to read a, well, at least I thought I was closing this story until last night. Uh, There's another bit added at the last minute. Um, can you do that beep, 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 beep thing for, for the news? No, never mind. Okay, I'll just do it this way. To close this story, I want to read a paragraph from the Navarra media coverage of this directly. I mean, I've pilfered most of this from there anyway, so I might as well do a direct quote. Nina, who travelled from the fulfilment centre she works at in Mansfield to be on the picket line in Coventry, said, Working at Amazon, you forget you're a free person. The beauty of this country belongs to everybody. You don't belong to Amazon and you don't belong to Jeff Bezos, that is. Uh, a great message. And as ever, thanks to people like Nina who are willing to travel in order to support others. So in closing off what I wanted to write about this story, uh, last week, Amazon workers in Barcelona went on strike uh, to prevent the shutdown of their logistics factory and a Spanish court ruled that the company had misclassified more than 2,000 workers as self-employed through their Amazon Flex app. On it goes. Okay, so that's one good story. I'll just do another one, and then uh, me and Dave can can get into it. Uh, Campaigning has led to something known as the Economic Crime Act. So last week, the campaign closed tax loopholes for the rich and powerful via 38 degrees, won a great victory. The Economic Crime Act, I've written Chrome in my notes here. It's a Google thing. The Economic Crime Act, the economic use of Chrome. Um, Crime getting domed. Sorry, the Economic Crime Act forces everyone who owns a UK property through an offshore shell company to identify themselves publicly. The new property register has revealed thousands of offshore property owners for the first time, and this transparency will make it much easier for our tax authorities, journalists and campaigners to track uh, track the wealth of the mega rich. This is a basic freedom and one that we have had to fight for, which tells you a lot about the state of this fucking country. Speaking of the rich, it seems uh, we now have a new frontier for political correctness brought to us by the rich. Brought to us by someone who normally champions anti-wokeness, in fact. In this case, that would be the Prime Minister. Uh, recently, Mr Sunak was interviewed by Piers Morgan and for some reason seemed unwilling to admit to the description of himself and his family as rich, preferring financially fortunate 90s flashbacks going on here for those of us old enough 
Uh, we are apparently making these poor rich folks suffer again by using the slur of richness, not to mention Sunak is in this group because of the inherited wealth of his wife who dodges a tax. So perhaps this is why he's reticent, because uh, honestly, um, you ain't actually that rich after all, mate. You're just riding on the coattails of somebody else who is. We must remember how delicate the rich and the powerful are and make sure that we do not upset them going forward. Okay, everyone? So just maybe don't call them rich. Financially fortunate. Actually, it's even more important to control the rich than it has ever been. Aside from their general repulsiveness and egotism, it is a matter of safety for everybody that those without limit upon their resources are prevented from doing whatever they like. One reason can be found in every hate group around the world. Quite often, you will see the hopeless front people of whatever anti-immigrant or Islamophobic or anti-trans group all across the media claiming that they're being silenced, while, of course, they're all over the media. You might wonder, how does this complete no-hoper get on here in the first place? Well, the answer lies in who is backing them. Always very rich and therefore far-right individuals and groups who fund the most intolerant churches, social organisations and street thug groups. With this finding, uh, they can sorry. With this funding, they can get exposure on major media, organise all types of attack on those they dislike, and influence political policy. This is a real flashback here for all the rage heads, by the way, because we're going back to our very first episode talking about this stuff. Uh, where was I? Okay, so uh, with this funding, as I said, they get to do whatever they want to with that position. The religious right in America which is Christian fundamentalists, really, uh, have influenced the worst aspects of political culture in that country for decades. And maybe one day we'll go for a history, or maybe do a show going for the history of that, because I think it's well worth paying attention to. It's, it's always there. And uh, in recently in its anti-trans activity, it's seen a, a kind of resurgence. Uh, they have been responsible for attacks on alternative music and culture, the Muslim hate campaigns of much of the last 20-odd years, uh, played their part, along with the neocons, in pushing for invasions all over the world, removing women's rights to bodily autonomy, as I have done most recently, and most viciously promoting the intolerance of LGBT plus people, or toward LGBT plus people, I should say. <clears throat> now their influence is directly violating the rights, freedom and safety of trans people specifically. Many of these extremes, extremists uh, own or operate large media corporations with a global reach, and they push anti-trans hate all of the time. One effect of this is a noticeable rise in hate crime. So the whims of the rich extremists means a trans person becomes less safe walking down the street or perhaps within a legal system as their status is continually questioned. Recently, washed up children's scribe J.K. Rowling decided to put money into opening a women's crisis centre uh, that's for sexual assault, etc. in Edinburgh that excludes trans women. This is something she's wanted to do for a long time because she hates trans women. To do something this cruel and petty is bad enough, but allowing people to have so much money that they can do it is the systematic problem that I'm referring to here. This is why people must be stopped from doing whatever they want, especially because they can afford to. It creates a staggering injustice and damages the health of everyone from communities to the wider planet. So, Dave, um, I'll come back to you for that. Then the the, the Amazon strikes, uh, the economic crime act i think we called it i can't even remember what it's called now it's two pages above me and um yeah just what i was saying there what, what do you make of all that well i i think um history has a habit of repeating itself um <laughs> in regards to um rights um so i'll give you an example so in 2013 
legislation was passed that they would charge people for accessing the tribunal service, the employment tribunal service, which was £200 just to apply, and then another £900 to have the hearing. Um, in 2018, um, the unions, or a good vast majority of them, went to the High Court, and the High Court found that uh, this was illegal, and because uh, it, it meant, as a ruling, you wouldn't have it, you wouldn't have access to justice, which means it basically was non-compliant with the Magna Carta, even. But I will say this: that it was the Secretary of State that brought the case to the High Court to charge people to access tribunals for unfair dismissal and disability and discrimination uh, we will say this he lost or the government lost at every stage but they kept going they had no chance of winning but they kept going and it, this went on for five years that's how persistent they were in taking your rights away and they had no chance of winning and they lost at every stage of, of, of the judgement um, and I will give people a hint it's not going away it's going to come back there will be legislation two pieces of legislation that people need to be aware one charging people to access to justice for employment will be coming back and secondly health and safety at work which john mentioned health and safety uh, health and safety in the workplace due to brexit uh, the government will now remove health and safety in the workplace uh, and that means the working time directive, which means that you can work till you drop in one day. And under health and safety, if you remove that, that's going to be the case. This rubbish has been going on since the 1700s, and it's coming back. So when we t and one of the reasons why that judgment of two was passed as illegal to access to justice. Uh, in the employment tribunal was one of the big things was disability and discrimination that means that um, a woman who is pregnant and being dismissed because she is pregnant would not be able to access justice and they wanted to do that and they kept fighting for it for five years not five minutes not five days five years that is serious business and it's coming back john yeah and it's good to, to give those kind of warnings because, as we know all the time, but especially at the moment, getting out in front of this is the most important thing. Um, the kind of cheapness and pettiness of these employers, which uh, you, well, you know very well we've been dealing with uh, on a regular basis in, in our job. Uh, you, you more than me, of course, but I've, I've just been doing it in sort of one area. Um, it, it is... You know, it's oh, it's a pain in the ass, obviously, but the fact is that we are capable of doing it. We're more than capable. We're more than willing to get back on this, and I think we're now being joined by an increasingly large amount of people. Some would even say a majority of the folks of this country who have also had enough of all of this shit. And it is so. It, it just it gives you an idea of what kind of what I was talking about there about this kind of blind hatred that is given to people who have too many resources. So what is, is allowed, rather, is allowed to have material uh, uh, results from people who have this, this kind of uh, intense hatred and, and access to resources. And, you know, we, all of these anti-worker laws we've got going on, the kind of anti-union stuff trying to push through now, we can turn it over in the blink of an eye. 
and it'll be gone. We, we, we'll always say in the background for some other bastard to try and reactivate it in the future. But it's not even going to stand. And these folks are, they're losing miserably, but they're still, they're so petty. You know, they're so, they're so indecent and cheap and, and, uh, and vile. You know, it's amazing. You've got so much money and yet you're so cheap. I never have worked that out. Um, but yeah. I think you're right. So, but, but rather than, than kind of that just be a kind of grim warning and uh, that there's nothing we can do about it, the, the main thing we've proved against the ideology of the last 40 years is that you're not a mere individual standing alone and there isn't nothing that you can do about it. So, again, get involved with unions. If you're not involved or able to get involved with the union directly, uh, get involved with a social group or maybe even start one. You know, everywhere from your your place of worship, if you have one, um, also known as a pub to some people, to to getting uh, you know to getting your only force and horses uh, support group together. Don't, don't go there, buddy. I know where you're going. With it. I know where you. <laughs> no, going. no, but you know what I'm saying. I don't mean, even you know, go there with minder. But but <laughs> that's true. But even you know, you look at some of these football teams around the country. I mean, I know the issue here is to is to defeat food insecurity, right? But I look at these football teams around the country from local teams to, to Premier League who have fans supporting food banks. Now, you know, we need to step that up so that food banks aren't necessary. But that, there's, we, we will always say that on this show. But again, you know, it's like, what? how did that come about? Well, you were just going to watch football on a Saturday and you and some of your mates went, this is bang out of order. People are being made to suffer because they can't afford to eat properly. And now, you know, 30p Lee, as they call him, is is the co-chairman of the Tory party or whatever. Um so that's where it starts. It's so like the idea that you are you are hopeless and unattached is just is simply not true. There's so many things that you can do, and uh, and those are the examples. Um. It's interesting, John, because um, although I don't go on about it, I, I do, and I know you do for a fact. I um, do, yeah. Attend uh, picket lines and just get a feeling of how people feel, you know. Yeah. And uh, because these poor people are, are losing pay, let's let's be honest. When you see people out on strike, and sometimes the media use the narrative of walkout and demand from the unions, that is not true. Any demand for pay is not a demand; it's a written offer of a pay negotiation. Right? Mm. Um, so stop using those words because no one's demanding bugger all. Um, and you get the feeling from the picket lines. Um, and I'm not saying vote for whoever politically. I, I think as an ethnic minority, um, where I was growing up, we'd given up on politics anyway. Because um, we always, always knew in the 80s and the 70s we'd get the shit end of the stick anyway. Uh, but the feeling I got as, um, as, as a trade unionist um, with the picket lines, um, nurses, RMT, postal workers, teachers. Um, and I'm not kidding here. Is it? there was a feeling of a huge amount of distrust in society in regards to pay equality. It was a huge amount of distrust. I mean, there was a total lack of distrust. There was like, I got the feeling, John, there was, they, people felt like there was no hope, but they've got to keep punching. They felt they've oh. got to keep punching and hats off. And I will say this, whoever's listening and thinks that they're all the almighty and wear the shit on their shoes. Um, these people, the picket lines and all different unions were members led. They weren't union led. They were members led. Yeah, they organized themselves. Um, 
they organised, communicated with each other, organised times, organised timetables to be at the picket line. And it wasn't union-led, it was members-led. And um, and it's interesting, that some governments would say, oh, God, you know, we're walking into a right-hander here. We never picked up on the, the mood of the nation. What's happening with, with a government in here? And I'm not saying what that government is. They're not even listening to people. They're just stepping it up. I've just given you two bits of information which they plan to do. Mm. You know, and knowing the mood of the nation, um, and they plan to get absolutely squashed in the next general election and even the um, uh, local elections. Um, they couldn't care less. They're going to go for it. But, th- but this is the thing, is that this is what I'm talking about. It's just a kind of, don't, don't everyone give me a lecture about uh, the rich and powerful, you know, being decent people in some ways. Like you said, but, but Dave, they know they're going to lose and they're trying to make life as painful as possible for working people on the way out. And no doubt in the hope that because they've effectively got the system sewn up as it is right now, that the next Labour government coming in, led by that puffy-faced twerp, are going to do very, very little. I mean, at best, they'll overturn some of these anti-union laws, maybe. You can't. You don't know they're going to do that because you can't trust a word that scumfuck says. But, you know, they know that nothing's going to really meaningfully change, but it's going to look a little better at best until they get to come in again. You know, basically, you'll get a Labour government that keeps their seat warm for the Tories for, for X amount of years. But... That's what I mean. On, on the way out the door, you do things like this. And I think we're going to see this from our, or to a degree we already are, see this from our CEO, a man who's so utterly, utterly hopeless. Well, the feeling and, that I got, John, you know, was he, he, he admitted to his wage. Um, but I think hmm. part of his wage was to sit, sit there and get slaughtered. That's yeah. part of the package. And I will say this, John, and I want people <laughs> to recognise this. So in the seventeen late 1700s, um, there was an issue with trade unions and disputes and, 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 and governments then wanted to dictate what working people would earn, what they should deserve. Um, and, when, and trade unions managed to organise themselves uh, with communities and CLPs. Um, and what the government did of the day in the 1700s is to imprison people who um, gave black looks. And someone said to me, black looks, what does that mean? And it was illegal for someone on a picket line to look at someone who wanted, who went into work. And it was called a black look. And it was deemed illegal. I don't see anything different now, John. No. Well, exactly. They'll try and catch you out for anything. I mean, look at that. Amazon sticking loads of... Secure. Well, you know why they put those to security because of that thing I said earlier about you know they the, the union spoke to fifty people going into work who all signed up to to be in the union so they didn't go in that day. You know that's why they're providing this intimidation because they don't want you to win. But you're already winning. You just have to carry on doing these things. I know it's hard. As I said, I know you know I I certainly get uh, moments of of despair as um as my dear branch secretary is very well aware. Um, he must pick his phone up and go, fucking hell, this guy again. <laughs> never, John. But, um... Never, John. Never, never, John Bailed. He just, sh- <laughs> I, just I, I, I will tell you, say, and off the subject, we can get, John can get back onto it. The most yeah. iconic moment, of, and I want him to repeat this um, one day. I may stage him up to do it again. In it, and I want it, it's just iconic. There was a moment on one of the shows where 
someone, he must have, you, John, must have quoted someone that said, um, I voted for this and I didn't want this, you know, I didn't <laughs> vote for this. And it was the most amazing piece of radio I've ever heard where you said, don't moan to me, okay? You know, yeah. it, it was amazing. Um, I think not. I didn't laugh because I just thought it's true what you're saying. Yeah. Don't yeah. come to me and moan about I didn't know what I was voting for, and whatever that is. And general election, Brexit. We're not going to go on about it. I don't know which one it was, John. Yeah, but it was a a slow turnaround in society. Going, I didn't know I was voting for that. But quite rightly, rather than take the view, okay, this is what it meant, um, you actually took the view, don't moan to me, don't moan to me. And that was good. It was a really piece of good radio, John. Oh, thank you. I can't remember what show it was on, but uh, yeah. Um, well, you, well, you're I'm, angry a lot of the time, so it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, let's be honest, I'm comparatively calm on this show. I mean, I, I know we have the title of this show, but it's nowhere. The reason I don't want to sound too sort of, Alex Jones or shock jockey or anything, but you know, I mean, I'm far fucking worse than this most of the time. Let's be honest. John, um, I think you were right at that time. And what, sorry, it came, but I no, thought you were right at the time because I'm not talking about children. No not talking about children. Exactly. People were so vociferous in their views at that time. And I remember it was really painful for the UK because it divided the country on two occasions, the general election and Brexit. It divided the country and people were ed- decided to educate themselves with mistruths, mistruths rather. And I'm not going to sit there. You're right, John. I'm too liberal in that sense. And you're, you were good at it. Don't moan to me. Stop yeah. moaning to me about what you voted for. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time. And you were right. Don't come to me, okay, John? It doesn't take a lot to... to I mean, this is the thing where... Okay, I, I'm, I'm wandering into dodgy territory here because lefties like me often get accused of being kind of sneering and judgmental towards people. Um, and I would argue to some degree that I have done that in the past and I have very good reasons for it. But uh, as in, I think it's justified. Um, also, I don't I don't buy into the kind of let everyone get away with everything and never have you know any kind of responsibility for their actions. Uh, we, again, we've talked about that on this show before. You know, I've, uh, my hatred of the rich and powerful is very well known. But equally, I I try and pull my own side up, but for good reason. When I think that we do things wrong, and I think that there's there's issues to address, and better to be addressed by a comrade than by an enemy. Um, but you know, the, sometimes you do kind of have to say to people, look. You know, for for many for many many, I just I just I need to get on with the next thing, so I'll just close this bit off. But for many years of my life, for many years of my life, you know, I've been very into my two main subjects in life throughout my my twenties and thirties were uh, politics and music, uh, politics broadly, and and films. And um, some people would talk about politics as if they're, they're something they're not into. Um, almost like they weren't into some of the bands I listened to, which I can't blame you. However, that's fine, except you always seem to have a view, a very ill-educated view and opinion on it and always seem to try and argue me down on something that I spent all my time, you know, trying to learn about, trying to dedicate myself to, and you would openly admit you spent no time being dedicated. And 
you would just repeat stuff from tabloid newspapers. Now, I have a problem with that. Now, ultimately, what's the issue there? There's no point in arguing with the individual about their quotes from tabloid newspapers. What we need to do is defeat the tabloid newspapers. Uh, then it, it kind of goes away. But, you know, there is, there's a tension there. But like I said in, in, that, you know, in that last sentence, what, what I would say is, you know, how do you really deal with that tension? Well, it all comes down to the same thing, which is deal with the system. There's no point in us spending all of our time swiping at each other as individuals. Uh, most of the time it doesn't help. Um, saying that, you know, roll up to me with any ignorant shit and I'll slice you in half. Anyway, um, moving on. So where we are, coming back a little bit to actually something Dave prompted me very well for uh, at the beginning of, of the, um, the show this evening. I just wanted to kind of say the following, which is, yeah, it will make sense. Britain is a failed state. Uh, we said it a few times on this show, and I think it's very important to underline that. Uh, not because I get any joy in saying it, but because I think we need to face where we are. Um, and we have to get used to all of this. We have to understand that in the immediate, this means that things will stop working in any meaningful sense. You will struggle getting health appointments. Your children will be in schools that are crumbling, have little access to resources, and see major problems recruiting and retaining teachers. You will see more and more homeless people everywhere you go. Uh, shocking. I, I never, you know, you talk about anger, uh, Dave. There's, uh, there's nothing I see in my daily life that makes me more angry than someone sleeping in the street. You will perhaps have to get used to hunger and certainly anything less vital in life, such as enjoying yourself. And we're all experiencing this. Uh, some of the unions representing Uber workers, for instance, I was informed this week, and others like them are reporting a massive reduction in work over the weekends because people are, are going out a lot less. Um, at work, we will be antagonized by managers and bosses. <clears throat> they are very scared because finally, after generations of abuse, working people are fighting back and getting meaningful victories. You will get your contracts fucked with and your daily life thrown into disarray. Fight back on all of this. From low-level sabotage on the job, chronic sick absence where you can and make sure you report any and all infractions by your managers. I'm seeing a lot of online stuff around this week relating to, to our company. People talking about forced revisions, forced changes to start times. If you keep pushing that hard enough and uh, eventually, because they're legally binding agreements, it's a slow process, but it isn't hopeless just because they've changed it already. That is the idea the managers think they are wrong. Legally binding agreements are just that, legally binding. So if you have not agreed to change your start times, they'll go back to what they were before, start and finish times. Okay. All of this is another good reason to join a union because, as I've just said, none of this is going to stand up in court. This has all been done on purpose. The Conservatives hate the public sector with a brutal passion. They did to the railways what they are trying to do now to the NHS. They run the services down, making the public angry with it, and they offer, offer privatisation as a solution. It is never the solution, and you should never fall for this trick. This will make everything substantially worse, but in the immediate, it will seem like the only option for people, uh, option so people will, will basically let that pass. And uh, Starmer's Labour Party, or better known as Mandelson's Labour Party, will be more likely to push this through with their late 90s managerial politics. So don't think that if we win, they win the next election, we can relax in any way whatsoever. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, we can win this, however. The vast majority of the people now realise what is being done. But after 40 years, I keep saying it, but it's true, of undermining and weakening our mechanisms for challenging them, along with our culture, 
Do not expect this to fall into place naturally. It requires work to break the intentional social mindset of hopelessness and helplessness. You are neither hopeless nor helpless. And you must always remember that. But it's going to require a lot of work. It's going to be painful. It's going to be grinding. It's going to be tiring. You're going to have bags under your eyes bigger than you can afford to put in your shopping bag right now. But we will come through this and, and we can win. Um, I don't know if you want to, before I go on to the next thing, Dave, I don't know if you're saying anything about that, but I think that's pretty much what we've said already this, week, this evening. Yeah, yeah, we covered that off, John. Uh, as I said, society, uh, we've got to recognise society is broken at the moment. Uh, it's probably the poorest I've seen it um, ever. And, and I'm not dramatising it. It's bad, man. John? I think you're right. Um, it's the worst I've seen it in many ways. And yet it's the most hopeful because... Because so often we just, I know that people are not willing to, to, to put up with it. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something I've been looking into this week, community energy. Now, if you follow us on the Facebook page, and you should, uh, please give us a like. Quick apology on this. I think I wrote something, or it was written in the show description this week, that I was covering community housing. That is incorrect. I do apologize. I'm covering something to do with a type of community housing. I went to an event last night, so I'm going to cover that probably next week. Um, this week it's community energy. So um, apologies if, you, if you've tuned in for the housing thing, but as I say, bear with us a week and we'll get to that. Uh, as the cost of greed crisis bites harder and harder, we are seeing the emergence of alternatives in places like employment, housing and energy. This is caused by over-reliance on fossil fuels, which among other things are subject to global price shocks. This week, we'll take a look at the, an overview, in fact, of uh, community energy with the help of Ethical Consumer magazine, who published an article about this. They report on communities creating a radical alternative to fossil fuel driven energy. This comes at a time when Shell and BP have posted record profits because they are war profiteers and uh, therefore have done very well out of the uh, conflict between Ukraine and Russia. And British gas have also been exposed for breaking into the homes of the most vulnerable to forcibly install prepayment meters. Late last week, energy companies were forced by Ofgem to stop the enforced use of prepayment meters. This came about after unrelenting public pressure and a decent bit of journalism um, from the Sunday Times, actually, in investigating this, I believe it was. Always good when the regulators wake up. So Ofgem seems to have actually woken the fuck up and are now you know, trying to stop people from having their lives damaged. All we need now is Ofcom to do the same. Community Energy gives us uh, – this is, this is the sales pitch, and then I'll break it down a little bit more. Uh, so community energy gives us control over our power supply with the potential to lower bills, bring people together in socially active and sustainable ways and create more sustainable future. The UK currently has 120 community energy projects involved in tackling fuel poverty and providing improved energy information to communities. In most communities, energy initiatives, members get a say in how the project is run and what local or social benefits they would like to see. It is also said to help create more local jobs and stronger community ties. So say, or so say it's uh, supporters. Wind and solar energy is now 50% cheaper to produce some fossil fuel power plants and building this renewable supply one way or another in the UK is very desirable. Community energy, in which uh, citizens work together to build renewables or support households in reducing their consumption, that's what that is. It often refers to community-led generation projects, for example, a wind farm or a solar panel project, which members of the community pay a part of to, to either partly or fully own. They can also decide collectively to invest in other areas locally. 
such as uh, reviving a local pub or an electric car scheme. Those are the two uh, examples given in, in uh, the Ethical Consumer magazine, but I'm sure you can think of plenty yourself. In Belgium, co-ops supply 2% of the energy um, and have reduced bills to the point where members have paid 50% less than the regular market rate during the crisis. Back here in Britain, the Bristol Energy Network runs information sessions on financial support to how to communicate with your energy company. They teach DIY low-cost energy efficiency measures such as insulation and draft proofing, as well as how to find grants for bigger changes. Then there is Energy Gardens, which are uh, the bulk is the building of a community-owned uh, renewable generation areas and using the profits to create renewable gardens in railway stations all around the country. This example seeks shareholders to invest in solar panels, something also done in types of co-housing, where any extra money made from selling the energy is used to transform trackside spaces into food growing, educational and other green public spaces. So basically getting clean energy, which is great for a number of reasons. Not least, it's cheap and it fucks over the very companies who have fucked us over for so long. So that alone makes it attractive. But do the majority of people want to get involved in something like this? Uh, for many people, not least the usually overworked, doing anything that is harder than flicking a switch on and off is rather off-putting. And anything involving meetings is even more so. Responsibility is not a default setting for the majority of people. Plus, projects like this do take a lot of work to even get established and built. In some cases, uh, some of the things I mentioned a minute ago have taken over a year to, to get them together. The UK current legislation is one that disallows you uh, the right to buy your energy from, say, a local sports or community centre who might have installed solar panels on their roof. You're not allowed to do that for some reason. Community energy projects are required to sell their energy to the grid. So prices stay tied to the general energy costs, so they cannot provide their own tariffs at this present time. Going off-grid requires access to and maintenance of infrastructure. So again, you can do it, but a hell of a lot of work involved. There is campaigning around changing this right now, though, and it's worth looking into. Uh, we're going to include a couple of links in the show description this week, so people can indeed go look at that. So again, I'm not... Um, I'm not sneering at any of this stuff. I think it's a great idea. I think all these things are great ideas. It's just a question of who can spare the time and, uh, if you'll pardon the pun, the energy in order to, to really put this in, you know, what, what needs to be done to get this. Um, there's a lot of potential here, though, and, uh, and I think it's worth picking up. Now, um, just before I hand over to Dave for our closing off, just one last thing. I spoke uh, a minute ago about, again, British gas breaking into people's homes, sometimes obviously when they weren't there, so they literally broke in. Mm. And other times when they did the, their usual trick of four, you know, they always showed up with these, these um, Mickey Mouse security boys, uh, bailiffs. Uh, I just want to remind you of the law regarding this utterly vile scum, um, all of whom are people I hope die in a tremendous amount of pain. Bailiffs, the first thing you must remember is do not ever allow them into the property where you're at. Okay, They do not have a right to come in. They can get in if you allow them to. Okay, So just don't let them in. They can't do anything or take anything. Um, uh, don't for even if one of them wants to use the toilet, you know, tell them to go and piss up a wall. It's, it's just you, you don't allow them now. Um, because basically, as I said, once they get in, they can just rob you of everything. They can only force entry under very specific circumstances, which are the following 
if you owe anything relating to criminal fines, if you owe anything relating to stamp duty or anything relating to income tax, and even then, this is a last resort. So speaking to the average person out there, um, no matter what, you know, shut the door, call the police, call, call your lawyer if you've got one. Do not let bailiffs into your property. Uh, so that you know okay um always worth a reminder so that's the main body of what i had tonight Dad. if you wanted you want to feedback what's what's your take on community energy Do, does this inspire you in any way um, well something needs to be jump, done john yeah and i'm talking about something much more permanent i, I think we precarious i always thought at a very young age at 19 <clears throat> when the uk in 1986 went into the global markets um and relied on global economics um, to decide what the UK how it would cope with economics the economic situation because I always felt it was a pack of cards um, especially vital services like electric gas um, and bearing, bearing in mind um, there was an enforced um, and it was accelerated use of fossil fuel then uh, due to the 70s industrial action. Um, and um, no, that was, it was terrible. It was a bitter, bitter decade, the 70s. Um, but what it happened was, rather than taking a green approach, it was basically one government attacking a union and the union attacking um, the government at the time. And I think we have to find a better a better solution than global economics or global markets. I think we should protect, I think we should protect, like, the silver bullet, uh, things like uh, essential utilities, water, gas and electric. I can't believe we're, we're, we're dicing with it. We gamble on it. I, I, you know, so just bear in mind, everyone, last year, 30 utility companies... Um, handed back their license after making millions they were just able to hand back their license uh bearing in mind that they haven't let never these 30 utility companies never laid a pipe in the road never built anything never built a power station you know they would just come in and ride on the backs of transco um who lay down all the power and all the power lines and yes some people complain about the temporary lights and all that um uh, we, we're just gambling on global markets and and people's ability to heat themselves. You know, when I was coming up, I mean, certainly priority was placed on senior citizens and heating. Now it just seems like, well, you know, we'll just rely on these markets. We'll rely on pipelines and gas pipelines. Why don't? Why doesn't a country? What what, what happened with the idea of a country owning their own? essential utility when did that become a bad word john mm. yeah it's funny in the same era when owning everything became the thing you should aim for uh at the same time owning your own energy therefore a high degree of your own freedom became something that was sneered at and actually we should sell it all off to to anybody regardless of of um of where they're from or what they're doing etc yeah it's a very interesting state of affairs yeah i mean firstly on that i would say uh very good examples always remember that it is only the working class that lays pipe it's definitely not the people who own things uh secondly yeah 
the yeah oh, come on i'm i've lost slightly lost my train there because i was making a stupid joke which always happens um <laughs> you see making a joke that only young people will understand you should know better you old geezer just stick to your stuff no i was gonna i was also gonna give you a crack about the uh about the cars and the fashions from 1970s as well um no exactly i mean with the thing i have with this like so the community energy and i think i completely agree i think it's a great idea but i think that it's only real sustainability is if it is so th- okay this is where there's a brief uh oh, not brief but a slight disagreement between myself and the kind of people who are into non-hierarchical organizing uh, I, I deeply respect that and i admire it and it often has some terrific results something else you're not really told about in in wider cultural society uh, but but there comes a point when you know it's based entirely on the abilities and the energy of the people doing it which is why i think it needs some better level of central control central ownership such as as you say government dictate you know state as much as we don't like the state for various reasons it's true we don't however um publicly owning energy publicly owning your health system accessing a health system requires it to be publicly run i.e it is run like a proper organization it employs people directly it's not something you do after work it is actually your job it's your job to work in the nhs it's your job to work in the public energy sector it's your job to work in the public transport sector etc you get what i mean that that's where what it comes down to it needs to be properly run properly um uh functioning like that it's the same argument when you know oh you know this this billionaire is giving some money to charity or whatever yeah well we'll take the money because you certainly don't deserve it but a lot of the time the only reason the charity is necessary in the first place is because you've made too much money doing nothing certainly not laying pipes in the road or laying pipe anywhere else so you know you have to that that's the point there is you you have to actually have a properly functioning system and that, that's what we're on about here, on about systematic change. And yeah, you know, it's, Dave's right. You know, this is, this is a con job for them to convince you that you don't want to own your own. You know, actually, you're far better off with all these things you used to own uh, that you get maybe, if you're lucky, you work for them, you get a handful of shares, which were fuck all at the best of times. Um, or, you know, you can maybe buy some. In the meantime, ridiculously rich individuals and hedge funds and companies like that can buy controlling shares in something that is there for your public benefit, even if you don't use it. You know, you've got to remember that too. You can't just bring this down to the personal. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I've not been in, uh, laid up in a hospital for about 24 years now. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't want the Oh yeah. I want a tax rebate because I haven't used a hospital for that time. No, no, it's fine. I'm happy to pay my money to it. So everyone can use it. And I know I sure as hell can use it as and when I need to, you go. So yeah, I, that's, that's my issue on this, Dave is it's all that's true, but it needs to be systematic. It's not a question of just as, as admirable as people can be. You can't just put this down to you, um, doing, you know, you you doing your thing as it were it's because there could be any number of reasons why we can't do that anymore as many people will tell you who have worked through organizations like this or lived in in places like this or um etc etc anyway yeah there you go that's my my case my well, I, I, I don't see what is so uncool for for any political party as a manifesto to say we as a political party as a silver bullet and it should be the silver bullet of the following. 
free health care, um, education, and standard of living. What, what, when did that become unpopular? And don't tell me, who's going to pay for that? Because that don't wash anymore. John? Yeah, well, we know who's going to pay for that. We're going to pay for it rather than spending all of our money helping, again, the kind of people I was talking about, the rich, overprivileged companies, etc., from uh, being able to own something that's actually ours. So you'll put comparatively less money and get substantially higher return by owning these things publicly. This is not even particularly controversial anymore, actually. There's people who will maybe not want to go forward in the way that myself and Dave are talking about with this issue. However, uh, it's it's actually become pretty mainstream economic orthodoxy now to admit that austerity was about... I mean, firstly, for those of you like the the, the, foot, the, the, the FT or whatever who were saying this, you know, fuck you, you were completely supporting austerity at the time. And a lot of people died because you did. So don't don't come out with me and try and be, you know, decent upstanding about it, you cheeky bastards. But at the same time, you know, they are now saying, yes, austerity was bad. Yes, austerity has gone too far. Yes, privatisation has gone too far, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard it many times. So again, there's there's nothing... I'm not talking fringe here. It might have started that way, but it isn't now. This is, as I say, this is mainstream economic orthodoxy now that, that these things have gone too far. And we, we have no other option but to renationalize, or in some cases, nationalize in the first place. So, yeah, you know, like I say, mate, this, this is one of the least controversial things we've talked about, really. I don't, I don't think it's such a shocker anymore. No. I don't think, it, I don't think it's a shocker anymore. If we, can, if we can put the flags away in the silly... Uh, nationalism <coughs> stuff and let's kill Fuck each other on, on, on social media because I want to be right and you've got to be wrong and you hate the Queen and I like the Queen and put it away and let's have a sensible chat. Um, John, yeah, did, uh, yeah, sorry, John. No, I was just going to say, I won't go into it now because we, we're timed up, but I mean, there, there was a, there was an amazing piece of um, talk about the state of the British media. There was an interview with, with Jeremy Corbyn again this week and I can't remember what the site was, but they played him something that that absolutely talentless, washed-up twat who only became famous from riding on Rob Newman's shirt tails, uh, David Baddiel, had said about his, you know, uh, just the most ludicrous North Korea-type brainwashing-type thing in relation to supposed anti-Semitism. It was, it was just ludicrous. Don't, don't don't pay attention. I said this on the on the show's Twitter site this week. So you don't have to pay attention to these people when it comes to people like Baddiel. You don't have to respond to them. The man's an idiot. Okay, there's no what he's talking about. So you know, just brush him to one side. But it's just it's amazing that 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 mindset. Yeah, this is the media we have here. So they just they will not even admit. We know perfectly well, without any shadow of a doubt, they lied about Corbyn and and the people around him, and they did it because he was a threat to basically making all the terrible things that are happening now not happen. And they didn't want that state of affairs to be that way. They wanted to keep the social order the way that it was. And the lengths they go to now, the the I don't use this phrase lightly. You know, the kind of gaslighting of sort of. Oh no, actually, you were all you were all extremely indecent racist people um, uh, because you know you dared to say things. You dared to say things about, say, uh, the apartheid state of Israel, which are actually much easier to say when you're in the apartheid state of Israel and far less controversial because they get said all of the time. But outside of it, you're not allowed to to say these things. As I say, we should go into that in greater detail in another show. But it was just the the, the very level of of uh 
just kind of indecency and and refusal to this, this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with here from business owners to, to to company ceos to our media it's these just overgrown children sticking their heels in the ground and refusing to admit when they're wrong you know you, you some of you out there are parents and i'm not going to tell you you know i'm not going to debate how you deal with your children or have done in the past but you wouldn't put up with this kind of thing from your kids okay and so so don't be putting up with it from you know CEO of Royal Mail or or from the news agencies, you know, interviewing Corbyn, you go, well, do you think it's possible that actually you were, uh, you didn't realise you were actually being greatly prejudiced before this kind of Just get out of town. All right. Anyway. It's, yeah, that's all I want to say in, in closing. Um, thanks, Dad. We ran over a bit. I know we were a little bit late this week. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry for us being late, but we should be back with you again next week, I think. Uh, check the show description when this goes out in all the usual places. I've sent Dave some links for Community Energy England and uh, the Welsh Government Energy Service, Community and Renewable Energy Scheme Scotland, and Northern Ireland Community Energy, if you want to know more about this subject. I, th- I think it's well worth looking into. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we covered it. Thanks. All the Rage with John Bowd on www.tracksfm.org.